0: Welcome to episode 142 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the vault studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who just recently informed me he is breaking up with Airbnb. Not entirely. John Scott Sloat. Not entirely. I think for work travel, I'm staying at hotels. Okay, because this is like st- – that that totally just messes with me because you are Mr. Airbnb oh. where possible.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think a combination of Airbnb not having points or loyalty programs okay. makes things hard. And I think when you're traveling for work as, as much as I am, you want to have something where you're getting something back, if that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes so, sense. Yeah. I think I'll still use it for like big groups. Yeah. Uh, trips um, with students, you know. Yes. Are you using it for your New York trip that you're leading? Yes. Okay. We have to we have to get a, a quorum before we can start okay. booking places. But yeah, we've we've picked gotcha. out a couple. Yeah, I've been uh eagerly booking for
0: my London and Brussels trip. Yeah. So I feel pretty good about the places we've got. So that's that's nice. Um uh, our introduction to the show last week caused a bit of a stir. On social media,
1: I yeah I still don't get it. I opened up. (laughs) I think I tweeted this. I opened up Twitter and saw like, oh, I have fourteen notifications, and found out people were 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 losing their minds.
0: Yeah, you know when you deviate from the from the norm, it just shows our faithful, consistent listeners are, are are relying upon us in a whirlwind culture where everything is changing and there's no fixed security. We have people relying on us for a measure of stability in their lives.
1: Yep. We had one listener tell us we're going to get canceled. That was text to me at one point.
0: Yeah. Yes. So.
1: The farmer's almanac I think was invoked at some point as well.
0: It was an admittedly weird episode in some – And and our our struggles with talking about a one-armed pitcher and –
1: Yeah. How to refer to that.
0: Yeah. And just at a loss. Well, if you would like to join in in uh, sending us your thoughts, you can connect with us a variety of different ways. We are on Twitter, at V and S pod. Email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love for you to subscribe to our show on whatever platform you are accessing us. And uh, leave us a uh, five-star rating and a review. We're also on Facebook, sort of. Again, it's a little glitchy, a little wonky with figuring that out with things. Yeah. And we are on YouTube. But um, we appreciate you uh, getting in touch with us and giving us your thoughts, even if we can't always uh, get back to you. But we do appreciate it. All right, John. Let's talk some sports. What do you want to start with?
1: It feels like we could go a lot of different ways. Why don't we start with college football and <laughs> okay. and go from there? Start with the earliest and go to the latest.
0: OK. Yeah. We can do that. So um, uh, I mean the place to start is Ohio State uh, dismantling the
1: Toledo Rockets
0: 77 to 21. Yeah. That's seems a like lot the, of points.
1: Seems like the offense figured it out. I
0: think they figured some things out. Well, they finally got their best receiver back, They're, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Didn't play a ton, but he played some, and uh, they also got one of their other injured wide receivers back. But uh, they're just ridiculously loaded at wide receiver. It'll be interesting to see they they play Wisconsin next week. That's that's just be a little bit more of a challenge than uh, Toledo put up against them. Um, and did you see did you see Appalachian State one on a hail mary?
1: I saw that they won and I saw that it was in dramatic fashion. Who did they beat?
0: Troy. Troy. Okay. Which until I Googled it, I did not realize that's a school somewhere in Alabama.
1: Oh, it's in Alabama. I was going to say North Carolina.
0: Yeah, it's somewhere in Alabama. Uh, Yes, it was like a – man, I I think the quarterback – they were on their own like 35-yard line. And so the ball came down around the five-yard line. Ball got ricocheted into the hands of an App State player and he ran it in from the five-yard line for the for the game winner. So, nice. Um, Notre Dame finally gets a win. Props to them. They beat Cal. And Penn State beat Auburn. That's a big win for Penn State. They went yeah. on the road and dominated Auburn. Yeah. So good win for them. Um, I think that's about it in terms of uh, big, uh, prominent games in the world of college football. So let's – Let's get to the NFL, John.
1: Yes. Uh, Matthew.
0: (laughs) You're going to get it.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It was a wonderful, wonderful NFL weekend.
0: Okay, Explain why.
1: Uh, The Jets came to life, Mm -hmm. particularly in the fourth quarter of that game against the Browns. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, we were down 17 to 30 with two minutes left. Yeah. And came back to win it in regulation. Okay. It was, it was pretty great. Uh, Joe Flacco throws for over 300 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, and your boy. Yeah. Garrett Wilson. He's pretty good, isn't he? Uh, let, me, let me get the numbers right. Eight receptions for 102 yards and two touchdowns. He's pretty good. that's a good day. that's a great day, yeah um yeah i I mean the jets the Jets offense was clicking. I thought the Browns defense was better than that yeah, I don't know. Um, I thought the Jets defense was better than giving up thirty points uh, to the Browns offense but yeah, but I thought the Browns defense was better than that.
0: well, what was funny is um I got a text from Nathan soon to be in Warsaw ah with uh towards the end of that game. When the Browns were obviously up and he texted me the last time the Browns started the season 2-0 and o was in like 1993 or something like that. And so I, I was watching another game, wasn't paying attention and just thought, oh, OK. So that game must have gone final and the Browns won. And then uh, my son Jake tells me a couple minutes later, uh, the Jets just scored and they're an extra point away from winning basically. With like 12 seconds yeah. left. Yeah. yeah. Oh, OK.
1: Well, we – part of the issue for the Browns is uh, Nick Chubb – is that Nick mm-hmm. Chubb? Yeah. Uh, scored a touchdown maybe when he shouldn't have and there would have been an opportunity to get the first down, take a knee. And run the clock out. And run the clock out at like the the two or three-yard line and he ran it into the end zone. Jets got the ball, went down the field, scored a touchdown very quickly uh, and then recovered the onside kick. And then scored a touchdown and kicked the extra point.
0: Yeah, it is difficult to get a get a player to not score that touchdown
1: though. Yep, yep. And ninety nine percent of the time, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, it's like, of course, you want to put points on the board. Yeah, but who knows that uh, there's going to be a blown coverage and the Jets are going to score a sixty yard touchdown on like the third play of that series. Yeah. And then get the onside kick and then go on to score another touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. it's You just can't see that coming. No. To Garrett Wilson, by the way. Garrett Wilson got that final touchdown. Yeah. On a slant across the middle. He's he looked great. He's good. Well, and it was one of the criticisms on Twitter. is like, why is Garrett Wilson not in the game for against the Ravens? Game one. And uh, they remedied that pretty quickly. Yeah. Where it was like, get the ball in Garrett Wilson's hands and let him go. Yeah, they showed a uh,
0: – I saw the clip of, of his first touchdown. It's like a five-yard catch or something like that.
1: But he's
0: isolated one-on-one and he absolutely just juked yeah, that DB I saw that. out of his pants.
1: Man. little fade <laughs> to the corner of the end zone. Yeah.
0: And what's funny is – so so some uh, one of the Ohio State accounts like put up – a clip from his college years where he did the exact same thing to a team <laughs> for the exact same spot. And then they showed a practice clip, like a clip from the Ohio State practice where he did it to somebody in practice. And they're like, that's all this guy does. Yeah. So he is uh it if you get a quarterback that can throw it to him, he is gonna be uh terrific.
1: Are you saying Joe Flacco's not that guy? <laughs> well, well I mean Hard to argue with four touchdowns and 300 yards. Yeah, it's
0: one game and it's against
1: the Browns. Yeah, so we'll see. We got the 0 two Bengals next week. Yeah, but that might actually it
0: that might work against you. Yeah,
1: yeah. And oh, I I agree. They're going to the, be desperate. Yes, they're be, they're going to be playing desperate football. Uh,
0: AFC defending champions. They're going to be desperate for a win. So uh, we'll see. Uh, when is
1: when is uh, Playboy Zach Wilson coming back? Uh, playboy Zach Wilson. Um, it's not till the Steelers game, so I think I think that's either the week following the Bengals or the week after that.
0: So they're just working their way through the AFC North right now. Basically,
1: yeah. Okay. Basically.
0: Okay. Uh, anything else from the NFL weekend that caught your attention?
1: Um. Well, hold on. Let me scroll scroll through the games here. So I've got one for you. Okay, uh, the Dolphins Ravens. You Not saw that? that one. I okay. did see.
0: I did see that. That was a large comeback by the uh, by the Dolphins. Um, but I saw this stat on Twitter before before this game was played. Uh, the Detroit Lions have been an underdog for twenty five consecutive games. Now, they won yesterday and actually looked pretty good beating the Washington Commanders.
1: Who are a sneaky good – the Commanders are a sneaky good team.
0: Yeah. Though what has happened to Carson Wentz?
1: I don't know. Uh, It goes – I think it all goes back to that knee injury when he was with the Eagles. He just hasn't been the same since. Yeah, he is not. But uh, yeah, the Lions
0: have been underdogs in 25 consecutive games. That's the longest streak in the Super Bowl era. Wow. So we're talking about 50 – Two years, that's that's incredible. So anyway, any any you you mentioned Ravens and uh,
1: Dolphins. Yeah, Dolphins beat the Ravens, which was surprising to me. Yeah, especially after the Ravens blew a three touchdown lead. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Jaguars beat the Colts. Do you see that? I started watching that game, and it was just yeah. Moved over to the Lions and Commanders, but um, I don't I don't twenty four nothing wasn't it? Yeah, yeah,
1: twenty four nothing. Not a good – not good, Bob. Not a good situation there. No, no.
0: And uh, Cowboys beating the Bengals was a bit of a surprise? Yep. Yep.
1: With the backup quarterback? Yeah.
0: Which, you know, it's interesting that their backup quarterback – now I'm blanking on his name. Something Cooper, right? Yes. Um, Cooper – is it Rush? I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, Yes, Cooper Rush. He – his big receiving target was Noah Brown, a former Ohio State wide receiver who's just kind of floated on the edge with the Cowboys, like kind of floating back and forth between being on their practice squad yeah. and being active. And well, because that's who he was used to throwing to, now that he's the guy for a few weeks, like Noah Brown suddenly is getting all sorts of attention, yeah. and getting the ball thrown to him. So,
1: Five receptions, ninety-one yards. Yeah, good day for him. Good day. It seemed like Zeke had a good day too. Uh eh, fifteen fifty-three. That's not great. Yeah. Three and a half. Yeah.
0: So um yeah, it's just nice to have football back on Sunday afternoons and Sunday evenings. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think there's we're recording on a Monday. There's two Monday night games this week, right? Oh, really? I thought so. I thought there was an early and a late one.
1: Well, let's let's find out. Yeah, yeah. There's a seven fifteen and a eight thirty. Oh there you go. Titans, Bills, and Vikings, Eagles. Titans Bills should be a good game. Yeah, Titans Bills should be fun. Titans lost to the Giants. Week yeah, one. that's surprising.
0: Yeah. Though the Giants are better than you think when when, when Barkley is back. Saquon Barkley when he's mm-hmm. healthy, like he's a great player.
1: Yep. So. Or he should should be a great player. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's going on with your Mets? uh we four game sweep of the pirates we're still up one game in the NL East okay. so brewers were in Milwaukee this week okay so three three games set against Milwaukee
0: so i did something that i haven't done in a long time i actually checked the standings myself oh yeah yeah just out of curiosity and i was noticing they do have the one game lead but they've also played two more games than the Braves have oh so, um, yeah, it's uh, so I guess they have a little bit more breathing room down the stretch in terms of fewer games, but they still they're still like fourteen. They have like fourteen games left in the season. Yeah, something like that. I thought the season would be over at the end of September. I think it now no go, go lead into October. Oh well, because they had the strike. Exactly. So are they going exactly. like a week later to kind of? Yeah, they're going a week later. Okay, that's what confused me. Yep. So how are we feeling about our chances here to to hang on to the division? Um I think you gave a 70% last Yeah, week.
1: I'd say I'm 70, 75 somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. I feel I still feel pretty good. Okay. I still feel pretty good. I mean, it'll come down to the final series the final series of the years against the Braves, three game set. Yeah. Um, that'll be the decider. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, our our, our audience is getting a better product today. Because the Jets pulled out a, a, a semi-miraculous win.
1: I mean, I mean, some thought it was a better product when the Jets <laughs> lost.
0: <laughs> yes, we might have gotten melancholic, John.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, <clears throat> but but yeah, I, I was very pleased with with the way they played. Even if they had lost that game, it yeah. was much better than the prior week.
0: Yeah, they just didn't look that competitive the previous
1: week. That's right. Yeah. They didn't have much of an offense. They didn't seem very well prepared. Yeah. And maybe the Ravens are just that good on defense. But seeing what the Dolphins did to them. They just gave up 41 to the Dolphins. I know. All right. Ready to move on? Sure.
0: So today we are continuing our uh, series. It's actually our last installment in a four-part series on different kinds of theology. And by that, again, we're we're looking at different – dividing up the the study of theology into different kind of approaches. So we've talked about biblical theology. Mm -hmm. We've talked about historical theology. We've talked about systematic theology. And now today we are wrapping up our series with something that uh, is called either pastoral or sometimes more often practical theology. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the idea here. Is to take uh, Christian doctrine and apply it to specific life situations in the church, Uh, whether that's sickness or suffering or um, interacting with the culture or even sometimes there's a a particular focus even on the life and ministry of the church of like how you do church so the
1: ecclesiological yeah so uh,
0: ecclesiology is the foremost sort of like the doctrine of the church but this so practical or pastoral theology gets down into the weeds of how should I do communion or what are the implications of God's sovereignty for um, how I think about, you know, investing my money or mm-hmm. those sorts of things. So, we're we're getting very much down at the kind of uh,
1: boots on the ground, boots
0: on the ground kind of thing. So, um, yeah. How was your? And I didn't necessarily prepare you for this, but uh, what was your experience like in seminary? And we can include both your time here at Grace as yeah. well as even your year of exile. At that other school,
1: <laughs> the other school in Louisville, Kentucky. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah.
0: Um, how would how well would you say those experiences, or how often in those in that even that class in those in the coursework, did you feel like you were pressed to make specific application of theological truths that you were learning? Mm. Whether it was through assignments or even just through classroom discussion, or was that was that something that was just more of sort of the after class as you're talking with your classmates kind of thing? Kind of talk me through what your experience was like with that.
1: Yeah, it, in one sense, it was never a formalized like. This is the practical theology part of this, or the pastoral. Yeah. The, you know that, that was never like, all right, we've entered this realm. You know that that was never the mm-hmm. discussion, but it was certainly woven into just about every area of theology, or excuse me, every every class and every situation. Right? Yeah. Where in Greek we're preparing sermon series, uh, uh, in. Um, oh my goodness! What else in systematic theology we're talking about? Why this matters for the life of the church, or yeah. you know, things like that. So, in one sense, it wasn't explicitly talked about much at all. In another sense, sure. it was it was woven into everything. Um, yeah. So, and 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 I think that's probably where it belongs, right? It's sort of woven into everything and seeing everything as sort of interconnected and infecting the life mm-hmm. of the church and how it thinks and functions and sure stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say I experienced probably more of that that integration here at Grace than I did at you know the school that shall not be named. <laughs> but I will also say that 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 degree that I was working on was much more academic, uh, Than yeah. than the degree I worked on here. Yes. So
0: yeah, the, no shade intended at all at that other institution. Yeah, I think it is important to note the. Differing emphasis of that degree it was yeah. more of an expressly, explicitly academic track, as opposed to uh, your education here being more focused on preparing you for church ministry, yeah. pastoral ministry, yeah. more broadly, life
1: of the church sort of things. Yep. Yeah, yeah. How about yourself? What, what was what yeah. was that school in Chicago like? And
0: <laughs> so, um,
1: or that school near Chicago, I should yeah, say. Yeah, you
0: exactly. Know. Uh, just down the street from Michael Jordan's house. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had a class um, that was called um, pastoral duties. I think it was, and so that's where that's probably the closest to a specific class where you were encouraged to think through um, how does your how do your theological conclusions work themselves out in the practice of being a pastor in terms of how you do funerals or how you do weddings or even just thinking about how you run a church, um, what you do in the worship service, what you won't do in the worship service. Mm-hmm. So those sorts of things were were more fleshed out in there. And we were encouraged to to make sure we were reflecting on it biblically and theologically and not just, well, this is what I, I've, I've seen done and it seemed fine. So why not do that kind of thing? Like yeah. forcing us to think through why do we sing? What's sort of the theology behind singing in um, in the worship service? Like wh- why do we do that? And what's what what even how should we think about the songs that we sing? Mm-hmm. Both from a content perspective, but even also from a style perspective to some degree. Um, was was in sort of an expression of sort of practical theology yeah.
1: or or even like looking at other groups and why they make the decisions they make right mm-hmm. like looking at the Presbyterians and why do the Presbyterians make the decisions in a worship service that they do yeah um, we could disagree with those certainly right but mm-hmm. but understanding it can be can be helpful and good yeah for sure for sure um, so yeah I think
0: uh, any um, any dangers with practical theology? I mean what's you – know, I mean what, what could possibly be wrong with trying to make direct real-life application from theological concepts?
1: Yeah. I, I mean I, I think uh, paying close attention to our own desires and biases in those. Sometimes we can use uh, some of our theological training to justify things that mm-hmm. we really want in the life of the church. Yeah. Uh, Versus what the theology actually calls for. Yeah. Um, So I think that I think that's one potential danger, but that probably has more to do with human sin, (laughs) right, (laughs) than than the theology itself. Sure. Uh, But yeah, what do you what do you think of?
0: I think that uh, now look, it is a right and good instinct and practice to want to say. How do we directly apply these theological truths? That's a good, instinctive, right um, desire. The concern I have is sometimes I've seen in this that if uh, – it can be pushed to an extreme that basically says, well, if you can't make a direct application to the Christian life or the mm-hmm. life of the church, then it doesn't even matter like the the any sure. area of theology that you can't make this like immediate direct, therefore I should do this in my life, or therefore I should not do this in the church,
1: yeah.
0: if you can't make that straight line, then um that's just sort of academic, you know kind of largely pointless theology, as if the ultimate measuring stick of the value of theology is. Can I make a direct application of this? Sure. And uh, if that's the case, and I think honestly, that can often be the unstated assumption of a lot of people in the pews that if you start talking about the- theology and there's no immediate, therefore, here's three things you're supposed to do this week or yeah. here's two things you're not supposed to do this week, that people can kind of just kind of Throw up their hands and go. What is the point of this? Why does that matter? If I think about uh, whether whether God is simple or not, mm-hmm. or whether I really understand the Trinity at even a basic level, who cares? How does that help me love my neighbor? I can't draw the straight line, so it must not matter that much. Those are the kind of things that that concern me. That that that's more of a. Uh, that there, there can be an overly pragmatic bent within the American evangelical church.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a real issue in the, in the evangelical church of America, right? That that everything must be practical or pragmatic. Um, yeah. The, the issue with that is uh, principles become unpractical or, or don't work mm-hmm. at some level. And therefore, we begin to remove some really important principles when, when we're – dialed in to be so pragmatic.
0: Yeah. I mean you you lose – you lose the foundations um, that underlie Mm -hmm. some of those very important sort of practical outworkings Um, and and I also think one of the dangers with that can be is you end up losing uh, the sense of mystery Mm -hmm. and – I think this is more true of those who are younger than me, I think. So we're talking like uh, millennials and Gen Z. That's one of the things that I think has disillusioned a large portion of those generations with the church is there There can be such a focus on the pragmatic that that the the sense of awe and wonder and mystery is mm-hmm. gone. And part of the way I think you create a sense of mystery is by – Diving into the deeper ends of theology and being able to say, "Isn't this amazing that we can't fully wrap our minds around this?" But this is who God is, and that provokes worship and wonder, not a sense of, "Well, I can't rationally put it all together; therefore, I guess I'm done." You know, I'm out mm-hmm. of here. I think sometimes in the uh, in the interest of feeling like we have to rationally give an apologetic defense of everything, that we create a version of the Christian faith that lacks the mystery and the awe and the Hmm. wonder.
1: So that's a danger I think that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, you're speaking to the millennial across the table here. So (laughs) that makes total sense. Yeah. So get off my lawn. Get off my lawn.
0: (laughs) Get off of my church lawn. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I think uh, again – so the impulse here I think is good, Right? the the impulse to apply theology to everyday life is very good. I, I just want to push back against the um, uh, being so driven by pragmatism that if we can't make the one-to-one correspondence, that it's like, oh, well, then, you know, is it does it really matter? You know, if we understand the Trinity, if we think about God's simplicity and what that means, if we wrestle with you know God's attributes and how they relate to each other, and the communicable and the incommunicable. You know we start to get into these terms, and people's eyes just start to glaze over a little bit. But um, I think if those, if you talk about theology in the right ways, even people who aren't necessarily naturally inclined to that, it can help stir a sense of worship and mm-hmm. awe if you do it right. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Uh, Let's see. Um, Anything else on this whole area of practical theology, pastoral theology?
1: Um, I I don't – you know, it's been a while since I've read a good book on practical theology. I mean a a lot of how to XYZ sorts of books are out there. Um, but oh. I, I would say there's, um, there's at least one that we got at, the, at uh, Together for the Gospel this last year that was Theology for Ministry. Yeah. Um, that maybe I can find and put in the show notes. Uh, but that one like was taking the hypostatic union and applying it to church context. Sure. It has a little bit more of a Presbyterian bent than I'm probably comfortable with. Um, wow, we're gonna we're gonna hear it from
0: our Presbyterian friends. You, you t- if you're a couple a pres- of shots at our Presbyterian friends, taking
1: shots? No, 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 no. I was just saying I'm probably ba- I'm, I'm Baptist and they're Presbyterian. We're different, um, and I appreciate the work, but it's not from necessarily from the perspective that I like.
0: What do you have against sprinkling babies, John?
1: I mean, I mean, I think babies need to be bathed <laughs> regularly. Um, okay. you know. Uh, but uh, but for any sort of religious ceremony, I'm probably against it. Okay. Probably. Okay. I'm definitely against it. <laughs> I hate sounding too definitive I, I, in life and this is – yeah. Yes. So here I am trying to sound not very definitive about something I feel definitive about.
0: Yeah. 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 I
1: I just want to be really agreeable <laughs> at the end of the day. I just <laughs> – Yeah. I think I've told you this story. But when, when
0: my kids when – my, when my oldest son was born um, – so I grew up in a Lutheran background, yeah, Lutheran and Methodist basically. Uh, but you know, during my uh, days in college and seminary, uh, very quickly became uh, Baptist in terms of my understanding of uh, baptism. Mm. So, uh, not not an advocate for infant baptism. So our oldest son was born, and I'm talking with my mom shortly after the fact. And she says, um, well, your grandparents are wondering when you're going to baptize the baby. I'm not until he makes a profession of faith of his own. Oh, (laughs) well, they'd really like you to do that. Well, I'm not if they'd like to talk to me about it. We They can call me and I'm happy to try to explain why I won't do that. But um, – so then <laughs> – so we were living away from my parents at the time and they were going to have like a – we were going to come visit them like, I don't know, probably like six weeks after the baby was born. So the extended family could see, sure. could see the baby. And my mom says, well, what if – your grandparents were wondering, what if they had the Lutheran – pastor, come over to that and do it at the house. No, uh, that's not going to be something that's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) So I I had to endure a little bit of family pushback from my grandparents, not my parents. My mom was like, you do whatever you want. But
1: Um, there's a TV show where uh, there's a pretty ir- irreligious family. They have a baby and there's one family member that's pretty religious and wants to baptize the baby. And they all throughout like the early childhood – all babysit. I'll take the baby and is like secretly going to go away and get it baptized. <laughs> right. um, I think in that case it was by a Catholic priest. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, But yeah, wanting to like – Basically, sneak baptized. Yes.
0: The baby. Well, I, I made the joke to my mom. I said, I mean, I can't stop them from sprinkling some water on his head when I'm not looking. I'd prefer they not do that, <laughs> but yeah, I can't fully, you know, oh, I can't stop them from doing that. So, for all I know, my my oldest son was stealth baptized.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, get like a spray bottle. <laughs> yes. Yes, um, yeah, he has since been
0: actually baptized as a as a uh, young man. So, anyway, a little window into my family life there, into my very well meaning but not theologically uh, um, adept. Grandparents. Yes, was very much tradition, you know, Lutheran, but v-
1: very committed to German the pra- Lutheran. Yes, very, very committed to the practical theology of yes, that. yes, yes. Yeah.
0: and and lacking any real significant <laughs> grounding in the actual theology piece, just in the tradition slash practice piece. Mm-hmm. Okay, are we ready to move on here? Uh, from that, John? Yeah, I think so. All right, let's do. This day in sports history.
1: All right. This day in sports history, September 13th, 2020.
0: Uh, I haven't changed the date, but that actually should be the 20th.
1: Excuse me. September 20th. Yeah. I looked at the, the 13th shift. and about said, boy, we're moving through September fast. It's the 20th. <laughs> and it's really the 20th. Yeah. Okay. The, but these
0: are for the 20th. That these are for like,
1: the 20th. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. September 20th, 2022. Uh, in 1987-
0: I tried to go a little more recent. You 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 kind of give me a little bit of a passive aggressive grief. Oh, did I, did I <laughs> for having these eighteen eighty threes and nineteen thirteens? So well,
1: I particularly thought you just went after the names last week. Well, you did this week too, didn't? you? I haven't read through them yet.
0: Uh, no, there's no, 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 there's actually no names in here that should give you. There's one
1: name that might give you. Yeah, I, I see box. one name that might give me trouble. Um, <laughs> San Francisco wide receiver Dwight Clark's NFL record streak of 105 consecutive games with the reception ends in the 49ers' 27-26 victory in Cincinnati.
0: That's a long time, 105 straight games.
1: Yeah. I mean that's eight that's like seasons.
0: nine seasons. Yeah. Nine, that's a long time. ten seasons, yeah.
1: That's a long time. Playoffs count in that? Because that was a very good San Francisco team.
0: Uh yeah, if, if playoffs count was shorter than that, wait. Now now we're gonna. Now I'm struggling with the math. 105 divided by 16. That's like five. That's like six.
1: Well, when did they move to 16 games? Weren't they 14? No, that? they were still they were 16. They were 16. The yeah, okay. Uh Also in 1987, Chicago running back Walter Payton scores his NFL record 107th rushing touchdown in the Bears' 20 to three victory over Tampa Bay.
0: See, Walter Payton. Walter Dwight Payton.
1: Dwight Clark, two very – These are very – yeah. <laughs> yeah. Normally I don't like the DW consonants next to each other. But, yeah. but for Dwight, it works. Yeah. Um, 1988. Here we go. Uh, American diver Greg Lugans? <laughs> nope. Luganus?
0: <laughs> nope.
1: Luganus. Luganus? Yeah. Wins the three-meter springboard gold medal at the Seoul Olympics after famously hitting his head on the board the previous day.
0: Yeah, he did a backflip and smacked the back of his head against the board and it was blood. It was nasty.
1: Concussion protocol in the 88 Olympics? I don't know that they were doing concussion protocol at that
0: point, but obviously he came back the next day to to win the gold, so. Interesting.
1: All right, and then also in 1988, Boston Red Sox, Wade Boggs is first is the first player uh, to get 200 hits from s- in six consecutive seasons
0: do you I don't remember when Wade boggs retired do you remember getting to see him play probably <sighs> a little bit before your time yeah I
1: think a little bit before my time I mean I was born in 1988 so yeah I was clearly alive when he played but yes. but I do not remember him playing okay um, Wade Boggs um, that's impressive six seasons with 200 hits yes. Something we're not going to see with this launch angle. Probably not. Though uh, that's,
0: that is something. That's a piece of baseball that could swing the other way in terms of like
1: … A lot of small ball. Yeah. Put the ball in play. Yeah. Uh, 2013, Alex Rodriguez uh, sets MLB record with 24 Grand Slam home runs for the New York Yankees. Is that a sing- single season? No, 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 no. OK. No, no. His career. personal career … Career, with the Yankees only? No, I think for his okay. entire career. OK. That, I think, I that sounds he, right. He has the
0: most – at least at that point, had the most grand slams of I any – I think that's
1: probably still true. That's my guess. That's my guess. I think that's pro- – I mean 2013 was only nine years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm so glad he didn't buy the Mets. <laughs> Do you remember when him and his fiance J Lo were about to buy the Mets? I, I, I do. Yes. Could you imagine if they got the Mets and then broke up the way they did? What would have happened to the beloved New York Mets? Oh my goodness! Uh, would have been quite the soap who, opera. Who would have gotten it? it J Lo it, it or a Rod?
0: Can you imagine how many papers that would have sold in New York? Oh in my goodness! Of... They might have gotten married. They might have ha- have to. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, who are you going to go with? I know you're not going to go with a Rod.
1: I'm not going to go with A-Rod. Yeah. yeah. I, I will so, not give love to the Yankees. So UKs. are we
0: going with Dwight Clark, Walter Payton, Greg Louganis, or Wade Boggs?
1: Um, or as you said, Boggs. Bags. Um, I kind of like – I'm between Wade Boggs – I mean six seasons with 200 hits. I don't like that Dwight Clark ended his. That feels mm-hmm. like a negative. Yeah. Uh, Walter Payton – is impressive, one hundred and seven <laughs> touchdowns. So I'm between Walter Payton and Wade Boggs. Okay, uh, let's go Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Let's go
0: sweetness there. That was his nickname. Swe- Did you know that? Yeah, sweetness. sweetness. Okay. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> yes.
0: One thing you liked.
1: One thing I liked uh, this weekend. This past Saturday, went with a friend. He he's from Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. Minnesota and takes his kids every year to a twins game in a different stadium. Uh, and so okay. I drove with him and his kids to Cleveland, Ohio and went to the game this weekend.
0: Oh, to uh, is that Jacobs? No, it was Progressive Field. Progressive
1: Field. Yeah. yeah built in 94, good stadium. That was a yeah. fun place to watch a game. Okay. We're okay. way up high. It was saw uh, uh, Shane Bieber, their their pitcher. That's really good. OK. Really, really good pitcher. He went like eight annex. OK. I'm not asking you to name this friend. Do I know this friend? Yeah. Yeah. He's a staff member here. Okay. He's, a, he's a faculty member here.
0: OK. Gotcha.
1: you. All right.
0: Yeah. So a trip to Cleveland. OK.
1: Had hot corned beef sandwiches. We were looking up foods to get in Cleveland. That was one of them. Interesting. And uh, we were told to go to Jack Frost Donuts, but they were close. We went to another donut place and got some Cleveland donuts. So you now have been to the three major sports stadiums in the city of Cleveland. Yes, I have.
0: Because you've seen an Indians game at Progressive Field. You went with uh, Guardi- me. Guardians game, yes. Yeah. They're still the Indians. <laughs> um, you went with me and my boys to a Cavs game yep. a few years yep. ago. And few-
1: you, you went,
0: years ago, you went to a – Jets? Did you went to a Jets Browns
1: Thursday night football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cleveland. I trust you'll understand, and I say this with affection. Smells like a rust belt city, (laughs) and And I mean that with as much affection as I can muster.
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay. Um, How how does the smell compare to Pittsburgh? That's another sort of rust belt
1: city. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Pitts, you know, I think Lake Erie plays into that scent a little <laughs> yeah. bit, you know, yeah. and Pittsburgh doesn't have Lake Erie.
0: Yeah, they just have the uh, –
1: Can the, you name the, those three rivers?
0: Uh, the Allegheny, the Monongahalia. Oh,
1: that's and, the hard one.
0: And doesn't that form the Ohio River? That forms
1: the Ohio River. Yeah. yeah very nice. Yeah. Very nice. American geography here on the pod. <laughs> We, we aim to please. Yeah. Um, you even pronounce Monongahela right, correctly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, for me,
0: I, I also was on the road. I was in Chicago. Would you consider that a Rust Belt city?
1: Yeah, it, it must be. OK. It must be a Rust Belt city. Okay. Although it doesn't have the same feel as a Cleveland or a Milwaukee. Yeah. Like I think a Milwaukee is a Rust Belt city, but not necessarily Chicago. Yeah. I think that's true. Uh, I don't know why, but that's how how I feel. Yeah. So I was in Chicago.
0: So on Friday afternoon, I led a seminar for some pastors and some students in our Deploy program at one of our partner churches. And then uh, the next morning, I taught in that church's theology track Hmm. and uh, did some Q&A and just had some really good interactions with uh, their elders and Pastors and some current deploy students, some current grade students in our deploy program, uh, as well as just uh, members of the congregation, got to see uh, a pastor friend of mine who lives in the Chicago area. So nice, uh, yeah, it was a good trip. It's a good trip, and uh, just it's fun to get out and just see the different um, the different different churches and. Um, interact with really sweet, kind-hearted believers. Yeah, it's It just reopens your eyes to the breadth of the body of Christ. You, know, you go mm-hmm. into a church that you don't know anybody really, and you just end up having very enjoyable conversations with fascinating individuals who love Jesus and have seen God do remarkable things in their life and are going through hard things but trusting the Lord and walking faithfully. It's just a great encouragement to my own personal faith in the midst of that
1: yeah all right well we got to wrap this up you got to get on the road i got to get on the road i'm going to cincinnati now is that a rust belt city? i don't know <laughs> i was just thinking about that
0: i mean i feel like we or if we talk much more about this we're gonna have to give put rust belt cities within oh, the title goodness. of uh or do a whole other episode on rust belt city you know
1: what city i've been to that's definitely rust belt Duluth, Minnesota <laughs> is definitely a Rust Belt city. OK. But I don't know about Cincinnati. What about Buffalo? I've never been to Buffalo. OK. I can't speak authoritatively about Buffalo. Right. Have you been to Buffalo? I have. Rust Belt? Yeah, I
0: think so, probably. Yeah?
1: Yeah, I think so. It feels uh, like I it's got to be on a great lake. Yep. And have some like husk of former – Shipping yard feel to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It ha- has to have a heavy industry connection there, probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. And steel or things like that. So. Shipbuilding,
1: you know, something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. How did we get here? I don't know, but that's why we call the podcast Hi. what we call it. We oh, have talked about uh, college football. Jets win. Jets win. We've talked about practical theology. We have talked about Walter Payton. We've talked about rust belt cities like Cleveland and Chicago. So I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless you all real good. Later.